Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Wow. I would say it's because I'm rested coming back from vacation. The reality is I'm not that rested. That's a working vacation, but I'm just, you know what? I missed you, church. I want, to, I want to thank the staff and everybody for holding things down while I'm gone. That's one of the, I told someone this week, uh, they, they, they said that, they didn't say it this way, but it's almost as if uh, they said, you know, Pastor, your, the staff did a wonderful job, and they have just mentioned the things they did, and it's almost as if you weren't there. And they didn't mean it in that sense. And I told them, I says, the greatest compliment any leader, definitely a pastor, can have is, Pastor, we really didn't miss you because things went on as if you were here. And that's because I've, you have a great pastoral staff and you have a great board. And I just, I tip my hat to all of them and say thank you for just making things happen that needed to happen while I was gone. And I appreciate it. They fill the pulpit, the teaching, uh, visiting hospitals, praying, calling on folks, and, and even, even fed a bunch of people Thursday without me. I couldn't believe they did that without me, but that's okay. Amen. Amen. It was good because I wasn't there. I know that's more for you. If you would, turn to your Bibles, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. As you know, um, went on a little vacation this past week down to Clewiston, Florida, and fished a little bit in the Everglades and, and Okeechobee and, and uh, just had a great time. But I, I'm, I have to make a report to you, though, that uh, although he's not here to defend himself right now, I, one of our deacons that was down there, he got in trouble with law enforcement. So he, Glenn is... We have delegated him out to children's ministries today as part of his penance. Um, but Glenn was getting out of the boat, and he had this bucket of fish with him. And the game warden was checking, and he came up to Glenn and said, Sir, I'm going to have to arrest you for those fish you have in, in that, that bucket. You have too many fish. I mean, the fish were biting like crazy. And, and Glenn says, No, you, you've got it wrong, sir. I, I didn't catch these fish. He said, These are my pet fish. He says, your pet fish? He says, yeah. He says, yeah, I bring them out once a week and I let them go out here in the Everglades and swim around and get their exercises. They come back and they get back in my bucket and, and I take them home. He says, sir, if you can prove this, I will not arrest you, but you have to prove it. He says, sure. He says, come on with me. Takes them down to the dock and he throws all the fish in the water and they step back and wait a few minutes and about five minutes go by and 10 minutes go by and the game warden's saying, uh, sir, where are your fish? And Glenn says, what fish? <laughs> uh, I had to come back with a fishing joke since I went fishing. So we had a great time on the vacation. I want to thank, thank the board for allowing me to take a week off and just, I won't say relax, but I had a good time making memories with my father. Um, I hope I get to take him again someday, but uh, he's at the point where his body doesn't quite go like it used to. So we'll see, we'll see what next year holds for us. But anyways, we had a great time making memories, good and bad ones, but that's for another time. So anyways, Ephesians chapter 6. You know, I don't know if you recall the message I preached a couple weeks ago about seeds, about the good ground and the thorny ground, the hard ground. And yeah, and you know, God... I'm not, I'm not here to say that I'm 
and please, don't, don't, you don't have to give me accolades. You don't have to correct me after service. I'm not trying to be falsely humble, nor am I trying to beat myself up. I'm a realist. I know that I'm called to pastor. The strength that I have is pastoring. Pastoring means that I, I tend to the sheep. My strength is relational and tending to the sheep, taking care of the sheep, leading the sheep. My strength really isn't communication. Matter of fact, my weakest area is communication. And probably preaching is not my strongest tool. I work on my craft. You know, I work on it. I practice it. I study hard. It probably takes me longer to prepare a message than most pastors. I mean, I just, I, I just, I'm in the Word. I'm studying because I want to make sure that I'm accurate but, and, and that I'm on, uh, in line with God. But of all the messages I've probably ever preached, I think that one was probably one of the better ones because it, for me, it was an aha moment. And I'm not re-preaching it. But I'm just trying to set the groundwork because here's the fact of the matter. And every message is the same way, as you know. It's the same word. I'm going to preach the same word that every other preacher has preached out of Ephesians 6. You're getting the same sower every week. The, the idea is now today with this message, what are you going to do with the seed that I'm about to preach? Because as your shepherd, as your pastor, what I'm preaching about is the reality that every one of you are living right now one way or another. Okay? And one way or another, you are facing spiritual attack in your life. If you're not, hang on, and there's a reason for it. And if you're not, I'm going to talk about why you might not be under attack. There is a reason why you might not be under attack, okay? And, and I know this scripture text has been preached over and over, but you probably heard it a hundred times. But the reality of it is, what I'm seeing in my flock, this is for my flock, and those who are following online, thank you for tuning in with us this morning. I want you to take notes of this because I'm going to try to give you some practical pointers from the scriptures of how to handle it. But the reality of it is, is what, what I see, what concerns me is many of you, and, I, and that's a broad stroke, but I don't think that's exaggeration. When you go through the spiritual tax, many of you don't know what to do, although you know what to do. Does that make sense? It's kind of like when you fall in the water without a life preserver. First thing you want to do, you panic. And what my point today is, is one of the points, don't, don't panic. Just know the scripture is very explicit. God did not, he gave us plenty of weapon right here and tool to know what to do when the attack comes. Because let's face it, the world is full of evil. Do you understand how evil the times are that we are living in? The Bible tells us that when you call good bad and bad good, you know, you know you're living in evil times. And, and that's where we are. Our country, this world's under attack. Our country's under attack. Our community's under attack. Our church is under attack. And many times you're under attack because we're living in an evil, evil world full of violence. I mean, it's just amazing the violence that we see on TV and the killing and the murdering and, and, and the way we treat humanity, we treat one another. It's, it's crazy. It's because it is, it is the, the world we're living in. Now, here's the challenge for us. We dare not fight back evil with evil. We're called out of that. I'm going to take, is it okay if I take my time? It don't matter. Don't say no, because if you say no, it don't matter, Okay. You're going to leave when you're ready to get up and leave. It's either going to be time for lunch or I've offended you one way or another, okay? All right? So, I want you to be at ease today, but I really want you to hear the heart of the Lord today, His Word today. Okay? We're living in evil times. 
We're living, and we can't fight back evil for evil. That's not what we're called to do. We're called out of that. We are salt and we are light, but we have to know how then do we handle the attacks, not if they come, but when they come. How do we handle them? Well, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, highlights a very important fact in verse 11 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, okay? He tells us, he says, well, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, we have to understand something, okay? First of all, let me say this. If you don't believe in the devil, that's your prerogative. If you don't believe in demonic spirits that come against people, that is your prerogative. I stand upon the word of God. And Paul right here makes a very interesting point that the enemy is very tricky. My dad used to call him Slewfoot. I don't know how many of y'all remember the day. He was called Slewfoot. He's sly. He's tricky. He has schemes. He has plans. And what's his plan? He wants to come against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about this building. We've already, we've already proven two years ago that the building can fall apart, but the body still stands. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit, it, we're told in the Word, He comes to, God lives in us. So He comes against us. He comes as a collective, but He also comes against us individuals. And He's trying to come against us. And, and what Paul says we have to do, He says, you have to stand against these schemes. You've got to understand His schemes. You've got to learn His schemes. You've got to study His schemes. Because He's not going to just come up and say, hey, I'm Satan. I'm here to come against you. He's going to come against you in ways you don't see him coming. And you have to be aware of these schemes. And Paul goes on and says in verse 13, skip to verse 13 with me. He says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's today. And having done all to stand firm. He says, you need to withstand and then you need to what? Stand. After you've done everything you know to do, you have to Stand. See, there comes a time in life where you pray, where you fast, where you cry out to God. You believe God for something, for things to change. And I can be honest with you, there's times I've done this and I've become weary waiting for God to change things. See, we think we have God on a chain. A tent hut, God, stand up. Sit. I'm not being disrespectful, I'm just saying how we treat God. Shake, lay down, roll over. God, I need you. God, do this for me. God, I can't take this anymore. God, why, why? Are you, you hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And there, we have to understand that God is not driven by our time schedule. In fact, God is not bound by time, is he? It, 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 it is, but it's his Timing. It's when he wants to do things and, and how he wants to do things. And, and sometimes we get weary waiting for God to change, but he moves in his own timetable. What God wants us to do is learn how to be patient and to stand. To withstand the enemy and to stand. To put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? He's talking about the Word. You have to clothe yourself. Who is the Word? Jesus. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. And the Word became flesh, we learn later. And it was Jesus. He says, you need to clothe. Matter of fact, Paul says, we need to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. We need to clothe ourselves in the Word. The, the shield of faith. The 
helmet of salvation, the gospel shoes, see what I'm saying? Breastplate of righteousness. What is that? The whole armor of God is talking about understanding the word of God and clothing yourself. And of course, we know the spirit of God or the sword of the spirit is the, it's all about the word. He's saying here, you need to know the word and when the attack comes, you wait for your Redeemer. You wait for, for, for God Almighty to show up. But until His time is right, what you do during the attack is you stand and you stand firm. Thank you. Some of y'all got that and amen me. Thank you. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all amen me right now. You know I love you, church. This is good preaching. Not because I'm good. It's because God is in it. And he says, hey, we have sense. So Paul is telling the church in Ephesus and us that when you are facing difficult times, when you're under attack, you have to learn how to stand. You have to settle yourself, hold firm to your beliefs. Because why? What the devil wants to do in his attack is undermine what you believe. The word of God. The whole armor of God. And he wants to undermine what you believe. Because if he can get you to start doubting what you believe, he's got you right where he wants you. Because once you doubt one part of the Word of God, then all of it is questionable. That's why I won't, I won't teeter. I, the Word of God is the infallible Word. It is breathed by God. It may have been written by more than one person, but it was, only, it was written by one God through several people over a 1,600-year period, and it all interlocks together. It is the word. He says he wants you to get worried. He wants you to start acting on your own strength. And, and you dare not act in your own strength because when we start doing things in our own strength, you will never win. We never win. Your ability will never get you to the victory that God wants you to live in your life. So Paul says, you have to withstand. You have to stand. Don't waver. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't budge. Don't change your belief. Don't change your practice. Hold the ground and stand. You have to get to a place regardless of what happens Externally, you don't move, you don't change, you don't change your convictions, and you don't change your practices. If you know what you're supposed to do, do it. Don't give in. See, many of y'all know this, I know, but we have to start practicing this. That's what Paul means when he tells the church and stuff. You, you have to learn to stand. Even though things may not be going the way you want them to go, they may not look the way you want them to look, may be happening in the time frame that you want them to happen, it may not be going as quickly as you want them. You have to learn to stand firm. We have to wait upon the Lord. We also have to understand that the reason for the troubles we have and the evil that's behind the problems in our country is birthed out of demonic spirits. Okay? I'm not here to debate your theology on demons. The Word says they exist they exist, and their whole purpose is what? To be used by the enemy to come against us. So when Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 12, if you go back one, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in what? Heavenly places. See, your issue in life are not with people you're fighting with. See, you're arguing with people. You're, you're writing nasty, nasty grams on Facebook and Instagram about people, see? Come on. I know, I know, I'm not naive. You avoid people. You even avoid people at church. You may even avoid coming to church because somebody's come against you or somebody you don't like or somebody has said something and you think those people are the issue. In reality, it is they're not the issue. You're fighting a battle in the flesh. 
instead of the Spirit. The issue is with the Spirit behind the person that makes them do what they do that you don't like. Here's the truth. Are you ready? We've all been manipulated by Satan to do things we ought not do. We have been used by the enemy to come against other people. Not me, Pastor. I'd never do that. Yes. Even you who right now are thinking, not me. Yes, I have. I have. We all have. We don't realize it sometimes, but we are the very tool that the enemy is using to come against people, other believers. See, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, so we have to recognize the challenges we are facing in our country, in our community, in our church, in our families, in our lives, in our school, in our job place, we're facing those things are birthed by demonic powers. And they're scheming, and they're, demi- they're trying to, to, to scheme and, and to your demise. They want to bring you down. See? So why are these forces coming against you? We really do need to ask the question this morning. If you believe that demonic powers are real, and you believe what Paul is telling us, and this isn't the only place in the Word of God it speaks, then why? Then, then why does Satan want to come against me? Why would Satan want to come against you? Because can I be honest with you? He's not happy that you're a Christian. He's not happy that you're a Christian. He's not happy with the direction that your life is going. See, He's not happy that you're in church this very morning. We have a couple of guests here today. Tell them you might be a little late for lunch, but not too late. He doesn't like the fact that you're here today. Now, there again, I can't make you believe that there's an enemy of your soul. And I can't make you believe that he has imps and, and demonic powers these, that, that are against. I, I can't, but you have to ask your question, why are things happening in the way they're happening in your life? Now, we all know that things happen in our lives sometimes because we bring them on. So let's don't blame the enemy for that. If you go to jail for catching too many fish, that's not the enemy. Okay. Now, God may use Bubba, your bunkmate, against you while you're in jail as the enemy, but you, you're in jail because I never, I never forget a guy one time talking to me about being in jail, and, and I forget what it was. He's a child support, another DUI, something like that. He said, the enemy's come against me. He's put me in there. And I looked at him and said, no, he hasn't. You put yourself in here. Quit being an idiot. So let's don't blame the devil for everything. Don't give him credit. We, we make him out to be God. He's not God. He's not even equal to God. He's created by God. Anytime God wants to, when God's ready, Satan's gone. And that's a message for another time. But just know, he is real. So why would he come against you? Because he's not happy with you. You're in church today. He's upset that you're worshiping God today. The fact that we had a worship moment, an authentic worship moment that was from our, do you know what that did to the enemy? If he was in here, he fled because he can't stand it. He was the creature created by God to orchestrate worship in heaven and he fell out of pride because he wanted to worship. So when we worship something other than him, well, when we worship God, I should say, that's the only thing that we should be worshiping, he can't stand it. He's not happy that you've given up the vices in your life, that you're, you're, living, you're not living the way you used to. So he, what's he doing? He's plotting to frustrate you and destroy you, defeat you. What Jesus told us in John 10.10. 10. So it's important that you understand this. Not everything that's going on is your boss's fault. Not everything going on in your life is your spouse's fault, sweetheart. 
Not all my fault. By the way, not everything is, is your pastor's fault either, church. Thank you for the amen. I got one or two amens out there. All right. No, it's not always. So quit playing the part of the victim. Stand firm. Take a stand in the word of God. Wait upon God. All right. Don't give in. Don't fight back in the flesh. Let's quit being. You know why people, people don't want to come to church? Because they call we're, we're hypocrites. And we are hypocrites because we act like the world does. They said, you're no different than us. You're fighting and you're bickering among each other. But not us. I know, not us. Whew. I'm trying to preach it. Y'all got to keep encouraging me, though. When you get quiet, I'm afraid, quiet like that, I'm afraid you're about to stone me. I told y'all, when y'all, when y'all voted me in, the day you're ready for me to go, I will lead the parade out of town as if, you know what I'm talking about. You may be chasing after me, but I'm going to act like I'm the leader of a parade. All right. Let me continue on. Mm. It's demons who are trying to frustrate you. Demons... Have you walking around mad at the world? Hmm. Talking to yourself. Not wanting to come around people. Don't want to talk to anyone. You're playing the role of the victim with your bottom lip all poked out. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm killing you with some laughter today, but I'm telling you the truth. A bunch of babies we can be sometimes. And I'm one of you. Hi, my name is Tony Tease, and sometimes I play the victim. And Okay. <laughs> Feeling sorry for myself. You don't come to church. You don't read your Bible. You stop praying. And guess what? You've played right into the devil's hands. You're losing the fight. What's he doing? He's getting you isolated. And I think this is a good point to make. I know that we've been physically distancing from each other for COVID. And I know we still need to take precautions. So please, I'm not preaching against that. But quit using COVID as an excuse. If you're not going to come, you need to be online worshiping with us and following. So I'm preaching to you all online right now. Zoom in on my face, brother, right here. I'm talking to you all right now. You need to, if you're watching me on TV, you need to turn the radio off, okay? I don't mind you having a cup of coffee. If you're watching me on your phone, you need to turn the TV off, all right? Turn NASCAR, whatever's on right now, all right? And when we worship, you need to worship along with us. Quit watching church. Start participating in church. Now I'm going to back up and get back to the message. That didn't cost y'all any extra. But if you want to put in extra, that's between you and the Lord. He will bless you for that. Amen. He wants to isolate you. That's what he wants. He wants you to be isolated so he can finish the job of destroying you and you play right along with him. So, let's look at this. Something I've come to understand is that when a series of events happened in my life that I've not brought on to myself, not something stupid I've done. It's not something I, it's just not a sowing and reaping. This is truly an attack. And, and whether all at one time or because I know the enemy likes to pile on or whether it's one right after the another, something that I have come to understand is this. Usually that means I'm headed in the right direction. This is a pregnated pause. I want you to do like Mary. I want you to ponder that for just a moment. When it seems like all hell is breaking loose in my life and I didn't unlock the door, that usually means that I'm headed in the right direction. I heard this said the other day. I'm not the originator. I think it was Brother Tommy Moore, our superintendent, I think mentioned this. If not, it's somebody at a meeting I was at. You, you, what, 
what I have found is, is when I am walking, stay with me, cameraman, against Satan, when I'm on the narrow and the wide, the wide gate, the wide path that way, and I'm, on, and I'm going against the stream, that's the devil's way, I'm going against it, I'm going to run into the devil. Matter of fact, he's going to do all he can to get in my way and discourage me because why he wants me to get my feelings hurt, isolate myself and go that way. As long as I'm walking with him, I'm not necessarily under his attack. I'm really under his authority. When I'm walking in step with him, you say, well, how do you know? You know, well, you might not know, but you pray about it, you think about it. If you're not living biblically, if you're offended, and that's what's keeping you away from people, you're not in your, your word, you're doing things that brings on, you're, you're playing right into his hands and he's trying to destroy you. But when, but when I'm on the straight and narrow, God showed me that many years ago. Now, you may have heard it from somewhere else. I never heard it before. But God showed me one time in, 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 in a vision, in a thought, that the narrow and the wide are the same road. They're just going in different directions. I can prove it. If salvation is that way. Repentance means turn 180 from sin. If sin is that way and I repent, that means I go 180 degree the other direction. So now I'm going against the flow of the world. And so what happens? It, it gets very, You ever been in a mall at Christmas time? <laughs> or an airport and you got to go this way and everybody's just got off the plane going that way? That's the image God gave me. And that's why we, we don't need to walk with the devil. But I find that what happens is when things are coming against me, it's because I'm going in the correct direction, the right direction. All these issues ahead of me means I'm headed where God is wanting me to head. And what Satan's trying to do, he's trying to deter me. He says, I don't want you to go there. He doesn't want you to become a weapon in the hands of God. All the headaches, all the frustration, all the drama, all the pain, all the tears must mean you're getting close to the next level of spiritual maturity. Now, I'm speaking to somebody. I'm speaking to more than one person. But some of y'all have been sharing with me, and I'm not going to mention names out of privacy. This isn't a bad thing. I need you to understand something. I have yet to see in the Bible or in my personal life any time where I could go to the next level of spiritual maturity without a spiritual battle. Show me. So the battles aren't, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just know that. You can't go to another level of spiritual maturity, intimacy, power with God without first going through a spiritual battle which gives you the spiritual strength and the spiritual weaponry that you need to defeat the enemy on that level. For y'all that play video games, you know what I'm talking about. You start off with the easy level and they make it easy and as you start winning that level, you get more weapons, you get more strength, you get more lives. And for what? Why? So that when you get to the heavy... How many of y'all like Mario Brothers? Okay, I'm showing my age a little bit. You know, at the end of each level, you got to fight Bowser or whatever the guy's name was. That's it. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> Look, older folks like me, I have to minister to the younger generation too. So just understand that. But hear me. Y'all need to know this this morning. I'm not trying to bore you. I'm not trying to take my time for the sake of taking time. I'm, I'm your pastor and I love you. And some of you are going through some heartaches, some tough times. And I'm telling you, God is preparing you for a different level. 
He'll fight the battle for you. You just stand in that word and stand true on that word and know what it says about you and what it says about him. And you stand firm and you don't change your conviction. You don't change your direction. You don't go in, you don't get in the flesh and start fighting in the flesh. It's not the principle. It's not the parrot. Come on, somebody. It's not the boss. It's the enemy that's trying to discourage you. Why? Because you're a child of God. You have to understand this principle. You have to get it. The devil wants to isolate you and take you out. He wants you depressed. He wants you suicidal. He wants you frustrated. That's what he wants. But you're not facing human challenges. You're fighting a spiritual force. Now, I'm going to pick up the pace here. I want to get the practical side of things. I'm, I'm stating what you already know, but you need to be reminded of this. There's two things I come to understand. There's more to this, but two big things I want you to take away from this before we get to the practical side of things. Some more knowledge you need. Okay, two realities. First is God does not allow the enemy to put anything in my path he hasn't already prepared me to handle. Okay? God has to sign off for the enemy to come against me and you if a Christian. He has to. He's my strong tower. He's my provider. He's my protector. He fights the battle for me. Come on. Are you with me? goes back to the armor of God, knowing the word of God. So God has to sign off on it. If you're going through something right now, God has already prepared you for what you're going through. And when you get through it, you'll have be at another level of spiritual maturity. Let that sink in. I know you're saying, well, gee, thanks, God. No, God wants you to grow in him. There's battles yet out there. He wants you fighting for his kingdom. Second thing. Second reality about the enemy's attacks, there are things in my life that the devil intends for evil. There are. God allows it, intends it for evil, God, the devil does, but God twists it around and uses it for my good. See, it may be bad at the moment, and I get it. I've been in some bad moments. It may seem impossible. It may seem like the attack is going to destroy you, but hang on. God is going to use it for your good and for his glory, and more for his glory than your good. See, Job lost everything. God gave him back double. Joseph, thrown in jail, thrown, sold in slavery, thrown in jail. He came out, and he was ruler over everything. Peter, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan wishes to sift you. Jesus didn't pray against Satan. He said, no, why? Because Jesus knew the spiritual battle that, that Peter was going to face was going to make him stronger spiritually. And it was Peter who birthed, or God birthed through Peter, a revival that is still taking place today called Christianity. See, the church. He had to be sifted. So, the spiritual entities are the reason for the challenges, but what should be our response when the task comes? What should we do? Well, we know we should stand firm and we should take a stand. We talked about the word, the whole armor. We, you know, we got to know the word of God, stand upon the word of God. But Paul tells us there's something else we are to do. There's a response to the attack of the enemy. I'm going to be very brief here, but I want you to hang on. And I need you to take notes here. Because I don't care how seasoned of a, a believer you are, when the attack comes, it's like falling in the water without a life raft. You panic. We all do, until we get our senses, until we get our bearings. You need to know this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying at all times of the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. He concludes there. The Greek word used here for prayer means two things, okay? It means to direct your prayers to God. 
You know what I find that when we go through attacks, when we have needs, when we're fighting a battle, we often go to people or organizations before we ever go to God. I'm going to say that again. When we're under attack, when we're going through spiritual battles, when we're in need, when we're facing diverse uh, situations, we often turn to people and organizations before we ever turn to God. Doesn't mean God won't use people and organizations. But God's a jealous God. Now, we don't fully, we don't have time to break that down. But basically, that means that God says, I'm the one who supplies your needs. I'm the one who's going to take care of you. I'm the one you're to come to. And if you don't, do you think it makes God mad when we don't go to him, when we go to other places and people before him? Now, I'm not here speaking for, I guess I am speaking for God. Forgive me, I, I hope I'm under your anointing. I don't know if God literally gets mad, but I think it frustrates him. Because he says, I have what you need. I told you I'd take care of you. He says, you're worrying about things you don't need to worry about. You're rather than here, here and too. And instead, just wait, right? Stand, stand firm, hang on. I'm, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You don't have to worry about anything. I've got you. Just come to me. And doesn't he tell us that? Those who are burdened, heavy laden, come to me and cast your cares on me. Because I care for you. So we have to understand that. We, 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 we need to go to the Lord in prayer. We need to make our petition, our prayers known to God. The word prayer in the Greek also means that while you make your request to God, that you also worship God. That word there literally means worship prayer. In other words, it means when you worship God, that is when you make your need known to Him. God wants His people to worship Him as they bring their needs to Him. Why does God want us to worship Him? Is He an egotistical God? Think about it for a minute. What does worship do for you? Makes you focus on God. Magnify the Lord. We're told to in the Psalms. Magnify the Lord. Make him bigger. How do we make him bigger? We worship him. We realize he's bigger than we are. He's more powerful than we are. Oh, he's more powerful. He has the answers, see. And so we worship. It makes us humble our hearts to him. It makes us not focus on the problems and focus on him. And, and, and that's what, what uh, Paul is telling us here to do. We need to focus on him. Some people only go to God when they want something, but God wants his people who, who can worship him even when they're in need. Not just give me, give me, give me, but God, I worship you. I humble myself to you. You see, I don't have to wait for God. I, okay. I'm not being braggadocious here. I'm just stating the fact. Okay. I have a relationship with God that I can worship him before he ever meets my need. Because you know why? I have a history with God where he's always met my need. Does that make sense? I don't need my need to make me worship him. I can worship him even though I'm in need because I know he's going to meet my need. It's not about me. I come to him with my needs, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's about a, a place in my relationship with him where I know I don't have to worry about this. Now, do I worry about things sometimes? I'm not going to lie to you. Of course I do. I fall into the water without my life jacket. I get disoriented at times, and I have to get reoriented when I do. I say, wait, wait, wait a minute, God. This is on you. And I have that conversation with God. Well, how dare you talk to God that way? No, I'm not being disrespectful. I said, God, this is on, you said, I don't have any needs. And I know this is a message, a theme in all my messages because I need you. We are so need-based people. God created us that way. We have needs and we're always concerned about getting our needs. You're already thinking about my dinner is going to be cold. He's getting long. 
I know, but you need to hear this today. This is some meat. Spit the bones out. This is some meat for you today because you're fighting some battles and you're fighting them in the flesh and God says you're, you're fighting them the wrong way. You need to stand and stand firm. You need to know the Word of God. Clothe yourself in Christ. Clothe yourself in the Word. And listen, when you're in need, when you're fighting the battle, you need to come to Him in prayer. You need to come to Him first and when you do, you need to come offering Him a sacrifice of worship. Worship Him. He's going to take care of you. Trust me, worship draws Him. When you worship, when He says, I knock... When you worship, that's you opening the door of your heart for him to come in and fellowship and sup with you and you with him. And he wants to meet your needs. So don't let me be driven. Be love-driven, relationship-driven with the Lord. And here's the fact. I don't know everything about each one of your lives, but I know enough to know this. God's been good to every one of y'all. You have a reason to worship him, even, when you, even with your needs unmet, because he's going to meet them. Okay, let me move on. So we ought to pray, and the next thing Paul points out is that it should be at all time, praying at all time. The Greek word here, you ready? I told you I'll take notes. This is some really deep, good stuff. The word here in the Greek for all times means pray at all times. Some of y'all just getting that. Simple. Pray at all times. Now, can I make a confession to you this morning? I know people who can pray for hours. I'm not one of them. My name's Tony, and I'm ADHD, and I'm not on meds, and I probably should be. We have Monday night prayer. I didn't know that. It's an hour long. Usually I pray for, I pray with the online uh, group, and then I come in here, and it's like, Lord, I've just prayed. And, and so anyways, but I, I, I pray, and I bring my Bible or a book, and I read it when, when I'm out of words. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, but maybe a greater testimony is not, is not praying for hours, but how about there's not an hour of my waking life that I'm not praying? Isn't that a little bit different? It's not that I can sit down here and kneel on my face for an hour and pray, but there's not a waking hour a day that I am not conversing with the Lord. And that's what always means, that you're always in perpetual state of prayer. I wake up in the morning, good morning, Lord, thank you for another beautiful day. I praise you, God, Thank you. Thank you for the good night's rest. And then I get up and go about my day. I study. I do a devotional. Whatever that day may be about. What my schedule is that day. And then through the day I'm going along. And you know what? I'm praying. Thank you, Lord, that this light was green. Because I'm running behind. i got to get where I'm going. Thank you, Lord. And oh, there's an ambulance going by, Father. Please bless whoever's in that ambulance. God, touch them. I don't know who they are. Uh, you know, it, you, you get the idea of what I'm, I'm talking about. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, uh, for this meal. I appreciate the meal. Bless it, God. But I appreciate you giving it to me, Lord. Blessing me with it, Lord. You're a good, you're a good Father. God, help my son because if he doesn't pass statistics, then I don't know what we're going to do. And, and so I'm praying for him as I'm thinking about him. Or God may lay you on my mind. And, and I, sometimes I'll text you and say, God laid you on my mind. I'm praying for you. Is there anything in particular I need to pray for it. Why? Because I'm communing with God. Thank you, God, that I made that putt and I beat Brother Bill at disc golf. I thank God for those as well, okay? Thank you, God, I caught this big fish, right? I caught a pile of fish. I thank you. God, thank you that when I found out that my trailer hitch was broken on my boat coming back from uh, uh, Holiday Park and getting back to Clouston, that my boat didn't come off the back of my truck and run up under my truck or kill somebody, see? It's a constant, perpetual conversation with the Lord. And I think that's what Paul's talking about, that we are to pray and we're to constantly be in that communion with God. 
It doesn't have to be a particular place. It doesn't have to be a particular time. You don't have to be in a certain position. It's about being, being in communication with God, talking to God as you go through your daily life. That's it. So don't feel bad if you can't pray more than 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, you can work on that. I think you ought to. But just be in communication with God. And that's what Paul says. So next thing, and there again, I told you I was going to pick it up, so hang on. He next says, he next tells us to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to come back to that, but he goes on and says, with all prayer and supplication. In reality, all this should be prayed in the Spirit, and that's why I'm putting it last. What's the difference between prayer and supplication? Well, prayer is kind of general. We're praying, like I just showed you. But supplication is the specific petition to God. It is it's soliciting God for a particular Need. It doesn't mean that you're informing God of the need. God, you know, you know what I need right here, Lord. You, you see, you know, my, my wife and her spending habits. And, and No, it, it's like, God, help her card run out of... No, no, kidding. No, it's about being specific, specific with the Lord. It means pouring out your heart to God about specific needs or situations in your life or someone else's life. Sometimes you have to get on your face with the Lord and let the tears fall from your face. You have to get down to business, a place where you want something so bad, you need something so bad in your life, and you're so desperate for God that you don't mind crying before the Lord. See, Pour out your heart to God. Let Him know you need Him. God, if you don't move, it ain't going to happen. God, if you don't open the door, the door isn't going to open. God, if you don't perform the miracle, this isn't going to happen. God, I need you. I need you in this moment, God. I need you to come through for me in this moment, Lord. As we used to say, get a hold of the horns of the altar. Hang on as you intercede and you pray and you seek the Lord. See, God is looking for us to pour our hearts out to him. And that's not because he's egotistical. It's because when we get to that point, we understand he is our only answer. And does he have our attention at that point? See, it's important. Every hour, every moment, I need you, God. I can't do it on my own. I can't fight any longer, God. I, I can't move forward, Lord. I can't face another day, God, like today. See, we have a real enemy. We need God. And we are jacked up people, whether you know it or not. You're jacked up. You are jacked up people. We need the Lord. That's why you're here today. You need God. We have to get back to prayer. We need to be in communication with God all day long. We need to make time to get on our knees and our face and cry out to him in our desperate moments. We've got to get back to prayer. If we don't, if we don't get back to prayer, our nation's doomed. You know, if you don't get back to prayer, your church is doomed. If you don't get back to prayer, your life may be doomed. We have to get up to prayer. We have to get back to prayer. We have to pray. We have to bind the devil. We have to rebuke him. We have to call heaven down to earth. We have to pray that chains will get broken, that people get saved, that strongholds are pulled down, that addictions are cast off. Pray. We have to intercede for our broken nation. And we do, he will answer. All right, y'all missed a really good time to amen your pastor right there. When we pray, he will answer. He will. That's what the word says. When we humble ourselves and we pray and we repent, he will hear from heaven. 
But not any prayer will do when the attack comes. We, when you need relief, when you need help, Paul says you have to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to take five minutes right here and then I'm going to pray. We're going to let you go or if the Lord leads, you want to come down for prayer. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I think this is a point that the Pentecostal church struggles with today. We do. We struggle with this because we have tried so hard to reach and we should be reaching everybody that I feel in my heart we have moved away from what we really believe and we no longer practice it. You hear your pastor's heart this morning. We have to get back to the biblical principles of what it means to be spirit-filled people. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Living a life of power. Of witness. Just because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit one time, does you had it, and I say had past tense, if you're not regularly interacting with the Holy Spirit, your sponge is dry. Not your salvation, but your sponge, your spiritual power. Okay? And he's saying here we need to pray in the Spirit. It means praying powerful prayers. When you pray in the Spirit, it means you are praying powerful prayers. This makes some of us uncomfortable, I know. Not everybody in here was raised in a Pentecostal church. And for some of us who were raised in a Pentecostal church, you may not have seen true Pentecost. Boy, you guys are like darts looking at me right now. (laughs) Praying spirit-filled prayers means that you are allowing the Spirit of God to pray through you. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of y'all are weak? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. We're all weak. So what does the Spirit do? He helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, listen what the Holy Spirit does. Intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what it is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints According to the will of God. I'm going to read that again. That's a powerful scripture. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes. Who is he who? Talking about God knows the mind of the Spirit because it's his Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. You see how it all interacts together. You don't know how to pray. But you're going to pray a powerful spiritual prayer because you don't know how to pray. Because why? Let's face it, folks. We are comfort creatures. If, if you're under attack, watch your prayer to God. Stop! Please stop. God, I don't like this. I'm not comfortable. Yeah, you're right. Neither was I when I hung on the cross for you. You can deal with it a little while, right? That wasn't Jesus. That was my sarcasm, okay? Right, but what did I just say? God uses the attack of the enemy to grow you. You're praying for it to stop, and God says, eh, you need to grow a little bit. I've got something down the road I need you prepared for. Did you notice how, how, how the apostles' faith grew? They saw Jesus alive, ooh, then the power of the Holy Spirit, ooh. And next thing you know, Peter is a dying Christ. He said, hey, you, I don't have any money, but here, take my hand. 
and walk. He had to go through a spiritual battle to get to that place. And the power of the Holy Spirit before he had the faith to jump out there and even say, when's the last time you seen someone in a wheelchair and say, here, take my hand and let I mean, I know it has to be spirit-led. I'm not, and hear me, though. Are we being spirit-led? Attacks come. You know where it's coming from. But there are times you aren't sure how to pray. And that's where the Spirit steps in. And He intercedes for us that the will of God is accomplished. The Holy Ghost prays the will of God over you and I. Through us. Don't, and I can't explain why God does it that way. If God knows what I need before I even know I need it. If he knows what I need before I even ask for it, then why does he expect me to pray? Well, maybe it's because he wants my faith to grow and my dependence upon him and my magnification upon him and he wants me to go to him, see? You need the Holy Spirit to pray through you and on your behalf because you don't always know what God's will is. But guess what? The Holy Spirit does. There's safety in that, isn't there? Not my will, but thine be done, Lord. Well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I pray in the Spirit? And I'll be honest with you. You have to open your heart to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is where the line has gotten gray in our denomination. I won't say from the top, but in the local church. There is a, there is a second, I call a second work of grace called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you. You are now the church. But there's a second work of grace where God comes along and when you ask and he Powers you and he fills you to overflowing and that river of life that's in you starts flowing out of you and part of that process is he gives you a prayer language we call it tongues that freaks people out for you all that are visiting you heard tongues in operation we believe that we're a five-fold full gospel church we believe God through, through the individual still works in the gifts and when he does we believe that God spoke through that man and we, this morning it was brother Ben pastor Ben he didn't just make that up. It took faith for him to step out and do that as the Spirit led him. And so that's why you have to be open to it. You have to desire it. You have to, it's a gift. Jesus said, it's prudent that I leave because my Father cannot send the Holy Spirit. What does that mean the Holy Spirit wasn't here when Jesus was here? Yes, the Holy Spirit was here. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. The presence of God is everywhere. David says, where can I go to get away from your presence? He's talking about what? That second work of grace, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And God, and God wants to give that to you to give you the power to be a witness and to give you a prayer language. There's other gifts, but the primary reason Jesus said that he would come give you the power to be a witness. How's your witness? And the other work is there, the main work is there to give us the tongues. Not necessarily the gift of tongues and interpretation but the prayer language of tongue. Why? Because when you don't know how to pray, you pray in your prayer language and the Holy Spirit prays through you and he prays the will of God over you. See? It's amazing how after church sometimes on Sunday someone would come up to me and say, Pastor, how did you know what was going on in my life? I heard you praying for me and you prayed exactly what I was going through. I didn't know that. I usually pray in the Spirit before I pray for people. And I pray as the Lord leads me. And I may know what's going on in your life, but that doesn't mean I pray for what's going on in your life. I pray as the Spirit leads. And that's what the Holy Spirit's about. He's not, woo. It's not mystical. There's a mystical side to him. Don't get me wrong. Mystery. 
But God wants us to be empowered so that when we're under the attack, we may see the attack, but we don't know how to pray. And God will lead us to pray in the Spirit, and then the Spirit prays the will of the Father over us. I want the will of the Father over me. Well, Pastor, how do I get baptized? I've asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's not happened. Can I be honest? I'm going to be very blunt with you. If, you're not, if you've asked and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not on God. It's not on God. When it comes to salvation, we're told that all you had to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you're saved. It's, it's, there's an inward conversion and then an outward profession. How do you know you're saved? What do you mean? How do you know you're saved? By faith. I've received Jesus. You speak it. And see, what happens is God wants to baptize the Holy Spirit, but because tongues is so mystical to you, you, out of fear, won't say whatever the Holy Spirit lays on your heart to say. And because of that, you're, you are quenching the Holy Spirit in your life. You're suppressing Him. And all He says, out of faith, just start speaking whatever comes to your heart, whatever I lay on your mind, just start speaking. It isn't supposed to make sense to you. You don't know how to pray. And when you do, and all I know is this, is when I start praying in the Spirit, and I know some of y'all can bear witness to this, there's something that comes over me, and I just know that my prayers have reached heaven. I don't know what I was praying, but I have the confidence that God's there, and there's a peace over me, and there's a confidence over me, and I walked out changed. I walked out empowered. I walked out ready to take on the world, the devil himself. Give me a squirt gun. Show me the gates. I'm ready to go. See, that's that empowerment. You're under attack. Then you can be okay with where you're at. Or you can pray in the Spirit and allow God to, the Holy Spirit to pray through you the will of the Father. Now this is the part of the service I wasn't sure how to end. Can I be honest with you? I prayed over this this week. I know I was on vacation, but each night I went home, back to the room. I didn't turn the TV on. I just got on my computer and just prayed and just Worked on this message, and that's why it's a little long and choppy. I didn't cut a whole lot out of it. But I wasn't sure how to close this message. Because there's a lot of food for thought in this message. You have an enemy who schemes to destroy you. He's real. He's real. And there's nothing you can do outside of God to fend him off. You can know his schemes. You can know his plans. But ultimately, you on yourself, yourself, you can't win the battle in the flesh. You need to learn how to pray and petition God and be praying, doing all that in the Spirit so that when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays through you. can't do it without God and God gives us everything we need for the battle but you got to put the armor on you got to pick up your sword and you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit Father God I feel like I've been obedient today to what you would have this church this body my family here today Lord, I know a little bit of what's going on in people's life, but I don't know everything, Lord, and I know that. God, I'm glad 
Father, be honest with you, I'm glad I don't know everything, Lord. Because I hurt enough, Lord, knowing what I know and the battles that they're fighting, God, and the depression that they're fighting, God, the illnesses that they're fighting, Lord, the, the fear, the anxiety that's riddled their minds, God. The enemy's been busy, and he's not hiding it, God, anymore. He's not, he's not being covert anymore, Lord. He is truly coming against your church. And so, Lord, I just pray for your people right now in the name of Jesus. God, that they not just hear what's been spoken today, but, Lord, that they will humble themselves to your word and allow it to find good ground there, Lord. God, that you, they will remove the distractions, the things that strangle out this word today, this message, God. And, Lord, let it find the good ground and take root, Lord, and produce the spiritual fruit that they need in their lives, God, because the battle is real. God, the enemy has made himself disappear some. And we don't quite believe in him like we used to. God, he's real. I know he is, Lord. And he wants to destroy your people. Help us, God, to arise that our faith would arise. God, that we would stop being weak Christians, weak-minded, Lord, overwhelmed with the circumstances, God, and walk in our trust and our knowledge of who you are. God, and be filled with your spirit, empowered, God, with power from on high, God, that we can battle him in the spirit realm where the real battle is, Lord. Help us, Father, today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, the first step you have to make before God can fight battles for you is you have to be his follower. You've got to enlist in his army, as we used to say. You have to submit your life to him. Not just believe that Jesus died on the cross, that's important. But now you, you align with his teaching and his word and you submit. You surrender. Whether you know it or not, you've been on the enemy's side. And now Jesus is saying, come join the winning side. I'll fight for you. And if that's you this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please respect people's privacies right now. And just everybody bow your heads for me. If that's you this morning and you would like to submit your life to Christ, if you just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Anybody at all in the house, it begins there. He can't fight the battle for you. He wants to, though. But till you yield, he's knocking. And he will not force himself on you. But as you yield to him, he comes in. And I promise you, you'll feel something different about your life. Just believe. Just believe. Receive it. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, God, Move on your people right now. Just move on your people right now. Holy Spirit, just bring peace right now in this room. Peace. Peace over life. Peace over circumstances. Peace. God, in the valley, in the fight, in the battle. God, many of us are in the, in the foxhole. We're fighting a spiritual battle, God. And in the, in the bombardment's raining down on us, God. But, Lord, you're there with us. You've not left us. joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, 
find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.